Well, 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 good morning, good afternoon, good evening. What's popping? What's cracking? How's it going? Happy Monday, happy Tuesday, happy Wednesday, happy September. I said any greeting that came to mind because you might be listening to this whenever. And I want you to feel appropriately welcome for the first episode of the Half Court Trap. This has been a long time in the making, years in the making, honestly. Um, and we're so excited to have launched Ball Things Considered and the Half Court Trap podcast with Daryl and Chuck. Shout out to everybody at Ball Things Considered. Um, it's a great team of guys that love basketball, have a little bit too much time on their hands, and are aspiring, aspiring professionals. And shout out to Chuck, Drew, Sean, Michael, Nick, everybody that's making things happen, submitted a graphic design or pitched an idea or helped build the web page. We appreciate you. And thank you guys most importantly for listening. Chuck, I'll let you introduce myself. You introduce yourself. I just wanted to get the vibes out there, get the, the first quarter jitters off, man. It, you know I'm happy to be here. Yeah, that's a great way to set the mood, D. Uh, my name's Chuck Campbell. I'm excited to be joining Daryl on this podcast. We're going to be talking about all sorts of different things, basketball, whether it be playoffs, draft, college hoops, just covering whatever we feel is topical all the time. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy. Look forward to getting some of your feedback. Yes, indeed. Um, Chuck and I, we go back like five years now at this point. Um, yeah. First, first friend I probably met at Baylor University. And uh, we stayed tight since. He's got right. a he's got a he's got a respectable basketball mind. Uh, I have to give him that. Uh, yeah, I I never really had the uh, athleticism to uh, compete at the levels I wanted to. So I like to uh, vicariously live through significantly better athletes, and that's worked pretty well for me <laughs> so far. And, and the, to answer everybody's question. He's he's also I can I can vouch for him in two K. I, I can't I can't I can't speak I can't talk basketball with many people I can't play two K with. So this is this is a this is a right you know person for me to do this with. Uh, yeah, but just a little bit more about ourselves as far as credentials wise. Um, I grew up in Dallas. I spent some time managing with Baylor men's team uh, during my short time there. I've worked with the Texas Legends and uh, a little bit of their front office department as well as doing some scouting, helping out in the game stuff. Um, really, my main focus is college and high school hoops. I love just seeing the development of players as they grow from, you know, young men into absolute superstars. Um, yeah. and, and that's that's what, you know, that's where I get the most out of basketball from, from me. Daryl, why don't you tell people a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, um, we'll get into that too, especially when we get to talk about your big board for this draft. It's, it's draft season. Yes, sir, um, it is. Me, man, I'm a athlete turned uh, turned reporter. Um, I, I have a deep love for the game of basketball and sports across the board, um, but basketball is, is, is where my heart's at. Um, grew up playing, played competitively. You know, I, I've, I've dealt with injuries and – Every, as everybody has, but I've, uh, uh, I'm, pretty, I'm currently sidelined to this point. It, it, it kills me not being able to just go put shots up comfortably or run fives, but 
Um, I love the game, man. And ever since I started my undergraduate years, um, I began a career as like an independent reporter. Work, I went to Baylor University as well. Um, got to cover uh, the sports beat. Um, transferred to UNLV. Managed to run. Got some managerial experience as well. Managed the running rebels for two seasons. Need that. Need that managerial um, experience. No, really though. We'll we'll get into that in, in some episodes to come because that's a pretty invaluable experience as a as a breakthrough. It's like your first first foot in to see how the organization moves, it's, but it's a whole nother look. Yeah, yeah, it's a lifestyle. Athletics for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I've written, I've written, I spent a lot of my time writing um, and reporting. Got to cover summer league, NBA summer league 2019. Um, that was probably the the apex so far of my journalistic endeavors. And it's not stopping. It's not stopping anytime soon. Uh, I love this game. I like to talk about it. I like to get my ideas off. So. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's talk about it. D, what you got? All right, man. Let's uh let's get right into it. We got to start at the top. Um, round two is here, and we are down to ten teams. Well, actually, we'll have we'll have More eight teams. Here. Yeah, we'll have eight teams in in a matter of hours, depending on where you listen to this. We might already have the second round set, but um, yeah, just, we do just have... for for everybody listening out there, it is currently. 115 on the west coast on tuesday yep. when we're recording this pod yep and uh and today we've got some uh we got to get into today's game really quick uh, sure. we got denver utah game seven jamal murray and donovan mitchell has been a treat that we didn't know we needed and we also got a game two of boston and toronto and we probably put that one on the back burner real quick um yeah, I, think so. I didn't see us only having two games reach a game seven in the first round but i think we got two series that are really uh really tight and let me let me ask you where you where you stand on on tonight's game well just backtracking real quick i didn't think we would have even two first round series that would go game seven i didn't think just looking at the board i didn't see anything that i thought would go more than six yeah um so this has been you know a nice treat I, I wish Miami, Indiana had been a little more competitive. And we'll get into the Heat a little bit later because they've looked fantastic. Yeah. The um, Eastern Conference first round was just looked really unnecessary. In it happened. <laughs> it happened. Here we are. Um, as far as the game tonight with Utah and Denver, I'm a huge Denver fan. I actually I, I bet on Denver to come out of the Western Conference before the season started because I thought that Murray and um, Joker, we're going to take that next step forward as a two-man unit. Mm. And the thing about Murray, and this is why I'm leaning towards Utah tonight, is for every 40, 50, 30-point game he has, mm-hmm. he'll come out and drop eight, right? And in a game seven, you just – I can't count on somebody where even as terrific as yeah. he's been this series, Donovan's been just as good. Yeah. And with Donovan, I expect a certain level of consistency because historically you can, you that's can, what yeah. he's given us. You can expect it. You can expect right. it. Right. I have no idea what Jamal Murray shows up tonight. So um, what, what tips the scale for me, and um, I do agree, I'm a huge Jamal Murray fan. Um, and last year's playoffs against the Spurs and their second round, he kind of sold – he sold himself to me as a, as a, as a big deal. Um, just because, you know, I hadn't seen somebody who was so knocked down 
I mean, of course we have, but I didn't know that he was on that level as a knockdown shooter in big moments and just mm-hmm. shot maker, playmaker. Um, but I think that the Joker, I think that the Joker is going to um, have himself a game today. He's had. He will, but I mean, Gobert, for, for all the positive impact Joker is going to have on the offensive end, Gobert's going to have more or less that same kind of positive impact for Utah on the defensive end. So I'm saying if we're assuming those guys are going to cancel each other out as probably the two best centers left in the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not an Anthony Davis example. And depends yeah. how you view yeah. that. Um, then I really do think it's going to come down to Murray versus Mitchell the way it kind of has all series. But yeah. I, I will say this, and then I think we should move on to the second round matchups. If I'm L.A., I am rooting hard for Utah tonight. Because if there's one thing that I, as a Mavericks fan, learned watching that Mavs Clippers series, the Clippers really struggle guarding the pick and roll mm-hmm. and just that high pick and roll in general. And the Mavs had tons of success with only one of those guys being a legitimate offensive weapon. If you turn that into a Murray Jokic pick and roll – and you've got Gary Harris. He's maybe a little bit healthier, and he's over in the corner. You've got Michael Porter over. Yeah, you in got the shot makers for sure. That's that's something that worries me if I'm the Clippers, especially because despite all their athleticism, they don't really play the kind of fast-paced basketball that I think you need to play to kind of run Denver out of the gym and get Jokic out of the game. Oh yeah, no, and I'm hoping that's kind of where my my uh, my support of the Nuggets comes from because I think that that matchup in the second round is one that I want to see. And yeah, the Clippers exactly. were tested in the first round and they're far from a perfect team. Um, and they're still gaining their chemistry growing. And let's actually stay right there um, because it does appear to be a collision course between the Clippers and the Lakers in the Western conference. Um, I didn't know that the Lakers facing the thunder was going to be a legit possibility before the, before the first round began. I thought it was pretty foregone that Houston would wrap it up before it got to seven. I'm the Lakers. I'm pretty terrified of both of these teams just because of the way they match up. Um, Houston obviously I beg to differ, but yeah. Houston plays the most unique style of basketball in the NBA. Mm. Um, and the Thunder have not one, not two, but three point guards that Los Angeles has no shot of guarding. Um, but at the same time, if you get the Thunder, they don't have any like, – like that Lou Dort stuff's not going to work on James Harden, right? Yeah. Or, I mean, the, the stuff that's working on yeah. James Harden's not going to work on LeBron James. Yeah. That, that's where it stands for me. I think it just comes down to I fear – because game – in round one against Portland, they were hands down the, the more in rhythm team coming into the beginning of the series. And I thought that the Lakers would struggle. And they, of course, dropped game one um, that they also could have won. But then they, they fixed it and they won four straight. But before that point, I was legitimately, hmm, this will be a test for the Lakers. And they actually, they, they kind of passed that test in my eyes. And I, I, I don't see a player scarier than Damian Lillard in either, outside of James Harden. But I think that the big men in that series is really going to make the difference. And on OKC, there's not one player that I think can tip the balance uh, in that series to where the Lakers lose. How do they lose it? 
if you ask me. But I mean, Chris Paul goes full point guard. Um, Steven Adams does a much better job than anyone expects locking up yeah. AD. It's asking, I mean, it's, you can have a lot of, you know, it's different front court than the Houston front court. I'll say this. We've seen weirder stuff yeah. happen. I don't think Yeah, and I, that, and I would never write them off. I would never I, write them off. I don't think that this battle for LA is necessarily a lock because I think both teams have been very underwhelming. And same thing goes for the Bucks and even to a certain extent uh, Toronto. The four teams that we thought were the clear-cut best teams in the league They've all looked super underwhelming. And yep. until one of them, especially Milwaukee, reasserts that dominance that they had in the regular season, I'm not willing to, you know, say anything is chalk. No, I understood and agree. And I think let's go ahead and hop on to the Eastern Conference because yep. in the West, we got, we got to wait and see. We got to wait and see. We have uh, – I think that, you know, there's clear favorites. So, until right, something so- – before we move on from the West, because I know you're a Lakers fan, I'm, I'm getting the sense that you would much rather play Oklahoma City than Houston. Yes, but but you're not, not by scared much. Of either. Not, not, not scared by much. Either. Not in the series. Not not in the series. Okay. Just because okay. it, it'll require game in, game out. No, I get it. I just balling. I, I want to clarify that. Davis. Yeah, I wanted to clarify that just before gotcha, we yeah. moved on. No, yeah, no, that's where I stand. That's where I stand. We'll, we'll have plenty more relevant times to talk about the Lakers, but uh, I, I won't beat you over the head about it on episode one. I appreciate that. Thank you. And I haven't got a chance to uh, put up my power rankings yet, but uh, spoiler alert, like you said, the Eastern Conference is the, – the top of the Eastern Conference is up for grabs. And I did think that Toronto was probably the second favorite, but – for me now, they fall in the fourth in the East because I I can't disagree with you. I mean, I think they're not fourth in the East in terms of like likelihood to get to the finals mm-hmm. because I think I think Miami and Milwaukee are the two best teams in the East right now, mm-hmm. and obviously one's gonna knock the other out. Yeah, um, and then it's in, Gordon yeah, Hayward, Gordon like like. Toronto should be able to expose certain parts of Boston's depth chart without Gordon Hayward, and they just haven't been able to do that yet. Um, and I don't expect Nick Nurse to get out coached all series. I don't expect. Yeah. You know, and I Toronto like, like, historically, game one isn't isn't when they give their you thing. their best shot. No, no. They, they almost like to take a couple of punches and see how you're throwing them first. And you uh, know Kyle Lowry's going to play until the last whistle. So will Van Vliet. Right. I mean, that man, he spends as much time on the ground as any professional athlete I've ever seen in my life. There's some soccer players who make the difference. Well, I don't watch a lot of soccer, but, yeah, you're probably that's, – that's, that's a good kind of point there. Um, I still have – Toronto winning. I mean, Boston's got the best player in the series. I think that's kind of undisputable at this point when you're looking at how Tatum has evolved kind of just since the All-Star break. Mm -hmm. Um, But Toronto's got the depth. I think they've got the better coach. And, you know, they've done it before, right? Like, they've they've done this. They've been here before. 
the far more interesting series to me is this Milwaukee Miami. Yeah. And that was on my calendar as soon as the brackets finalized before seeding games finished in the bubble. Um, because I think that we've had this conversation off air um, about Giannis. Um, but I think that he was going to, I thought that he was going to struggle getting past Miami. And I don't think that there's enough weapons on that team. I won't, I won't say it's Giannis's fault. Um, I don't think they're I think they're definitely equipped to to run through the regular season. They don't take nights off. They have a great right, coach. Right. They have shot makers. They have rim protectors, and they play at a they play. They don't play down to their opponents. Um, so they're going to dominate. But in a series that's a chess match, um, I don't think that they're proven yet, and I, I don't. I haven't seen otherwise to tell me this team has made the leap from where they were last year. And I I'm, think that Miami just has the answers for what they have. I'm not going to say playoff bud is real. I'm just going to say that uh, playoff bud hasn't given us a reason to think that playoff bud isn't real. Right? Like he that's, a, that's a valid. I haven't looked at that. I haven't looked at it that way. I haven't looked at you, it that Even way. when you had those great Atlanta teams. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. They, they, you never saw them in the finals, right? They couldn't um, get a game off the Cavs. <laughs> So, here's my thing. Miami, when I looked at Milwaukee, Orlando, and I said this in our little group chat, Mm -hmm. I was intrigued by that series because even though there's a huge disproportion in talent, the kind of bodies Orlando has Mm -hmm. and some of the guards they have, and then Vucevic also, presented an interesting mixture of things that – could be problematic for the Bucks. They could build the wall. Yep. They could stretch and shoot, which is what they were really forced to do with injuries, and it's how they won game one. Yeah. And then they had the versatile five that's going to pull Brooke Lopez away from the basket. Well, here, let's look at Miami. They've got shooters for days. Man, I'm going to let you Duncan Robinson might not preach. ever miss again. I'm going to let Duncan Robinson preach. might not ever miss a three-pointer again for the rest of his life. <laughs> I think Bam Adebayo is, aside from Joel Embiid, the most versatile center in the NBA right now. I guess Jokic, too. Jokic has that passing asset to his game. The defensive but aspect. Neither of them, yeah. But neither of them are the athlete that Bam is. Yep. Um, and he has such a great feel for the game that even if it's going to limit him offensively, he's smart enough to understand the value yeah. of pulling Lopez away from the basket. You've got Hero. You've got they've got initiators. They've got shooters. shooters, They've got length and defenders. They got Jay Crowder. They got Iguodala. They got Jimmy Buckets. I mean, they talk about building a wall. They've got three guys where you might not even need to build a wall if they can do a good enough job just staying in front of him for the most part. Yep, and they trust each other. Um, I think we spoke about this, but. I was at Summer League last year, and I actually got to see their entire organization there for from game one. Um, <laughs> sat behind Eric Spolstra and Pam Adebayo. Right. As uh, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn are taking the floor, and they're absolutely wiping the floor with China in, in the first in the first. Right, right. I mean, up 40 in the third quarter. Yeah. Um, and right. That's just the Heat organization. There's something mafia about them. There's something family about them. And Eric Spolstra, you know, can make adjustments. They're going to they're gonna experiment with the zone. Their offense is 
it's just it flows it flows pat, so well pat riley's like the silent godfather of the nba like he doesn't get talked about nearly enough anymore that's a, bad, a late, bad man not as that's a, a bad bad man and yeah it has something jimmy butler is there i, I from a player's perspective i will always side with the person who's not scared of anybody well and listen it doesn't matter who else is on the court nobody's gonna want it more than jimmy yeah and i think a lot when he's going against Giannis. yeah and i have part of me i have to get this off Giannis winning defensive player of the year oh it's nice hey peace it's close to atrocious for me, but I I won't I won't get into I, I'm gonna just leave it there. I'm gonna leave it there because I don't want this to I don't want the wheels to come off 20 minutes into our first episode. But sorry, I take my headphone out for a second come there. On, man. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. But we were we are we are watching closely. We are watching closely. That that Definitely. series. Definitely. And, that's and that's we'll the most intriguing possible matchup left, regardless of what happens in the West. Yeah. Um, that's what has my interest peaked the most for sure. And when it comes to Boston, I'm actually I'm really rooting for Boston because I don't want them to fall like to to end their season in the second round uh and come back next season with the same narrative that it kind of has been for the past two years. They've been competitive since they made the conference finals against LeBron in 2018 um, with no Kyrie. It was pretty much Tatum. Uh, it was Tatum. It was a lot of Terry Rozier. It was Jalen Brown. It was Horford. I, get I, it. Saw, I saw that they were close then. So I really want them to get to the next, over I, that next hump. I can root for them. I like them as a team. But as far as like feeling sympathy for them, they had three first round draft picks last year. Oh, yeah. And they yeah. got like Brad Wanamaker out they there ma- playing. Big yeah, they managed. Next they managed to, to smoke that. They managed to smoke that. Like, I don't know why Boston didn't take a chance on Bull Bull. Uh, not even that. That's they could have. They could have grabbed PJ Washington. They, that they, one's they, less excusable. They, there was a, there was a handful of names that. But hindsight, even, you know, even trading hindsight. up. I mean, just having having that level of assets, and then coming away with what? No offense to the guys that they drafted, Langford yeah. and uh, Williams. Williams and uh, Edwards. They've, they've been more or less a zero. They've been, yeah, yeah. And that could change. They're all still, you know, relatively young guys, but. Yeah, it, but it comes down, it comes down to who's their, their number one. And I think that they have an advantage that at times they can be Kimba and at times they can be Tatum. But that could also be their Achilles heel. And, and why and I also think that you need a seven footer that, that's going to hold it down for you to, to make a deep deep run in the playoffs and I, I, look I don't know if court. you you need an enforcer I don't know if he needs to be seven feet I mean you could have Mar- Marcus Smart might be the best enforcer in the league and he's six foot three no, that's, that's valid. That's valid. Um, so real quick let's get through let's go through our predictions and then let's take a little little break and we'll get into our big board stuff Definitely, let's do it. All right, so who you got? Houston, OKC. Houston. Yeah, Houston. Yeah. Post game. Yeah. 
Yeah. And if it's a close game, it's tough to imagine they kind of pull it out. Yeah, that's like, awesome. I, I, think, I think it's an explosive game. Ah, oh, man, I'm rooting for him. Again, I'm rooting for him, but I think I'm even betting against my head a little bit. I've got, I've, I've got OKC. Yeah. I, I had him at Do the it. start of the series. I wouldn't I, put my money on it. I wouldn't no, put money not, on that game. With, I wouldn't put my friend's money on Like, nobody's money <laughs> on it, right? Like, um, Denver, Utah. Just to I'm gonna, recap. I'm going to slide with Denver in a close one. I I'm disagreeing with you just because I I don't think Jamal Murray's got like another one of those games in him, and I think that's what they need. Yeah, I, I hate just to be the contrarian for you for all these, but no, but that that's why we do this, man. That's Shaq true. and Penny. True enough. <laughs> true enough. All right, so Milwaukee, Miami. Who you got? How many games? I got Miami in six, man. Damn. Yeah. It's yeah. like that. I do. They can win. They can win in more ways. And I think that their defense will hold up and their scoring will as well. Whereas whether it's Milwaukee's mental that, that, that lapses, something's going to crack. All right. I like it. I like it. I got Milwaukee in seven. Yeah. I do think it goes the distance. I think it will probably be the best series of the whole playoffs. Um, but, man, I, I could see it going either way. I really yeah. could. Nope. Uh, Boston, Toronto, talk to me. Seven. This one's going seven. <laughs> um, but who, and but I am going to – I'm going to take Boston to sneak it out in seven. Boston in seven. All yeah. right. Great, great title defense year for Toronto, though. I want to shout them out. Definitely. Those dudes, those dudes said – Exceeded all expectations. Nah, we we still got it, and until yeah, we don't sure. got it, for sure. Um, I've actually got. You're gonna laugh at me. I got Toronto in six. It can happen. They're not. It can they're, happen, not man. Done. they're not. There, done there's a. There's now, a. Like, like I said, they tip off in about an hour. There's a chance that they make seven threes in the first quarter of this game. Right. Right. And and it's six different. And it's six different guys hitting the threes. Exactly. Exactly. All right. All right. I think that for, about. Uh, oh man, I guess I guess we can't. I guess we can't predict yet until we get those final game yeah. sevens. Because um, yeah, it's a big difference either way. If it's, I mean, I'll I'll play along. If it's Lakers Houston, I've got Lakers in five. If it's Lakers Thunder, got Lakers in seven. If it's Clippers Denver, I've got Clippers in seven. If it's Clippers Utah, I've got Clippers in four. <laughs> it's like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lakers in five against Houston for me was it was a surprising take. Lakers in seven against OKC. I don't think it gets that far, but we'll see. We'll see. Let's just leave it there, man. I want to talk. I want to talk NBA draft with you because. In, in years past, I became only a bigger and bigger fan of the draft and, and what it is. And as a person who, for fun, follows high school basketball across the country, and you have a leg up on players that are in year two in the NBA and year three because you've you know seen them develop. It's just it's not it's it's you can't you know make up an experience of 
having an expectation for a player and then that player, you know, reaching it or not reaching it. So I want to no. get, I, I want to get, I want to ask you, uh, I want to, I want you to give me your top five off, off, okay. off rip. And then we'll go from there in, in this draft. You, you just mean my top five big board? Yeah. Yeah. Big board. All right. At five, I've got James Wiseman, seven foot one center from Memphis. Mm-hmm. At four, I've got Onyeka Onkongwu. Respect. 6'9", center, power four at USC. Chino Hills represent. Oh, yeah, I'm already known, man. At three, I've got Killian Hayes, a 6'5", combo guard from France. They're only calling him the Black Ginobili. Oh, uh, I'm going to have to move him further down my board then. On the internet. At, at two, probably a little higher than most other people, I've got Tyrese Halliburton, the Iowa State point guard. He looks dirty. He's, he's my favorite player in the draft. He looks dirty. And then number one on my big board is Anthony Edwards, the 6'5 guard out of Georgia, sensational athlete, three-level scorer. Um, at times there are questions about his motor, his effort. And I just think back to guys like Jalen Brown, Ben Simmons, guys that were these high, high, high-level recruits. Mm-hmm. That went, to colleges, that went to colleges that we were like, why are they going there? There's not really a lot going on there. And they kind of struggled throughout their freshman season. And I can't chalk it up to anything else. And I got to think they're bored. Struggle with winning, that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, record, the numbers. From a record, yeah, from a record perspective. But winning at the college level isn't, doesn't come down to one player. Right. And so, I mean, I, I don't think that – taking a snapshot of his college game and expecting him to project as that kind of pro is a reasonable thing to do. Um, I think you got to look at the tools and the frame that he has and then also assess the body of work. And if I put all that together, he's my number one guy. All right. Do you, uh, real quick, do you, do you imagine the top five teams would, would go in that, in that range? Do you imagine those players falling in the top six and, and, Notably absent from your top five, where does Lamelo ball fit in that in that 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 dynamic? Uh, so I mean, Lamelo could go anywhere from one to ten, right? It just mm-hmm. it's it's tough draft to predict. prospects. Pretty draft prospects predict. are like art. It's literally all in the eye of the beholder, and this is the year with the least amount of consensus that I can ever remember. Um, yeah. Personally, I have him down at eight. On my big board, is that falling in Chicago I, or the Knicks? That would be that would be the Knicks. Um, I just I understand the potential. I see what he can do as a passer. I see his size. I haven't really seen him defend. I have questions mm-hmm. about his frame. I've never seen him run a half court offense. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the shot's going to come around. And those are all just huge questions when you're talking about somebody yeah. that's supposed to be a franchise point guard. Or making a pick where you can't have much room for error. Exactly. Definitely um, probably the, the biggest boomer bust, boomer bust pick in the draft. I think so. And on the flip side of that is Tyrese Halliburton, who I think is the safest player in the draft. And in this draft in particular, that's why he's my favorite player. I also think that a team will recognize that this player is probably going to be a really good pro 
and yeah. expectation for him isn't through the roof. So if we bring him in and we develop him and we put him on the court and he surpasses, you know, the public's perception, we got a really good draft pick. Well, and he's not just a brilliant basketball player as, as a floor general, but he's a yeah. great teammate. He's a great leader by all accounts, a really smart, yeah. well-rounded guy. The kind yeah. of guy you want in your life. College resume matters to me, man. There's something about playing at a at a at a at like a, a school that has a lot of pride in their in their basketball program, like Iowa State. Um, Who and, has no business having pride in their basketball program? Yeah, yep. But a very respectable team. We know what we know what they're like in the Big Twelve. Yeah, pain in our um, ass every year. What do you think about Denny Avdia? So I. I Typically, I'm lower on uh, foreign guys, which is mm-hmm. ironic as a Mavs fan. Um, and it's for Easy no for other, you to say. It's for no other reason than that I have not put in enough time and work studying these guys and finding the film and finding actual things to try and assess, tools to assess these players. Mm-hmm. It's so much harder overseas when they're not playing as much in these grown leagues mm-hmm. as compared to, you know, like a Tyrese Halliburton and Anthony Edwards where yeah, there's feel, hours yeah. of tape. So there's I've probably got, a 50, 50 shot at him being Omri Caspi or, <laughs> or, I've got, or, I've got, or a Luca light, like, you know, Oh, was, see, I've got, I've got Denny at 19. Um, and my comp was Gordon Hayward light. Got you. I don't think, I mean, I, 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 I think people are going to start doing with Luca comparisons what they did with Dirk comparisons, mm-hmm. right? To the to the to the international player that fits the mold. Like Dragon Bender yeah. was never going to be Dirk. I you know like <laughs> I would have told you that one for free. Nah, right? hold on, bro. He's only twenty three. Oh, all right. And next year you'll be twenty four, and you still won't be Dirk. <laughs> yeah, no, I only threw out that because I like you said that that is a uh, what a lot of comparisons exist for Denny. Um, right. He's somebody I got my eye on, though. Um, I, I do think that a player like LaMelo, um, I, I, I'm rooting for him. And for me, he, he, res- he gives me a lot of Lonzo vibes. He gives me a lot of Lonzo vibes because when the Lakers had number two pick, there was a lot of pressure on them to say, Y'all are the Lakers, and this is number two. This kid is not the second best player in the draft. Don't do it. Um, and love Lonzo. Hey, Lonzo. Pardon me. <laughs> love Lonzo. Hey, Lonzo. He's a gifted player. Um, but the, the draft selection matters in how a player develops. So I I, just I'm hoping that he falls into the right position, and I think that he's a complimentary player. That will yeah, that, that's, that's add flavor wherever he goes. More that's than Lonzo did. Draft, where, where landing spot's going to matter. My only thing was with that Lonzo draft was after watching De'Aaron Fox just massacre him in the tournament, I, I couldn't justify taking him over De'Aaron Fox. And I think so yeah. far De'Aaron Fox has been a productive, more productive NBA player. So that's just another reason this draft is so wacky. With no March Madness, we didn't get any sort of head-to-head opportunity or anything like that to really see these guys, A, perform under pressure, and B, go up against other star players. If, you know, say it's a Grant Riller from Charleston, um, he doesn't get to go up against 
anybody that's his level of competition, right? So we don't get to see that Steph Curry-Davidson experience, right? 100%. 100%. And I think, oh, man, that, that's another point uh, of where we just – it's a, like a wake-up call that, that everything that happened this year happened and that moving forward things will be really impacted because even the game is different. I think the bubble game is is showing Michael, uh, Michael Michael Costello. He made a good made a good tweet that he think he thought Denver had the most adjusted game for a normal season where players travel, teams travel, home court advantages exist. Right. And you see where we're playing in a, a neutralized location. That some things no longer matter. Like altitude. Yeah, some things just don't matter. If you can put a better five on the court, it, it matters and scouting and drafting we don't know what the college basketball season is going to look like um and all that's unfortunate but we we it's an applaudable effort by all those trying to make it happen um all right D, any, so i know we got to get out of here in a second yeah any other, do, i was just gonna let you get some more uh, some more points off man yeah i was i was actually gonna say if you've got a couple rapid fire draft questions you want to ask me just while we've got the big board subject up um i'm all yours who is your, not counting Tyrese Halliburton, who is your steal of the lottery? Uh, Aaron Nesmith. Talk to me about him. 6'6", shooting guard from Vanderbilt, got hurt early. Uh, finished the year shooting 52% from three on about eight attempts a game. Was really Jeez the me. only viable option on a very mediocre Vanderbilt team, so... He was doing all of this with defenses keyed on him. Not a plus athlete, but somebody that can come in and contribute right away and help space the floor for sure. A player that didn't make your top 30 that you think could go in the first round or could contribute immediately? Um, a player that didn't make my top 60 that I think could go in the first round is Nico Mannion. Mm. Um, a player that didn't make my top 30 that I think could contribute immediately would be. Somebody like a Cassius Stanley from Duke, a Tyler Bay from Colorado, um, Isaiah Joe from Arkansas is kind of like a lesser version of Aaron Nesmith. It sounds to me like this draft has a lot of potential, like last year's draft did as well, to be a, a deep one. A lot of guys that can help from day one, just not a lot of, like cut and dry star players. If you're Golden State, who's the best player to take with the second pick? If I'm Golden State, I try and trade that pick. But from listening to some of the podcasts and some of the things Steve Kerb said and just looking at the makeup of their team and the way they want to move going forward, mm -hmm. if I were the Golden State Warriors and I had to use the number two pick, and I'm assuming um, Anthony Edwards is gone at one, but even if he's not, I probably still would go with Isaac Okoro uh, out of Auburn. Really? 6'6", six, 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 215. At two? Great athlete. Look, they didn't get to where they are by drafting players in conventional spots. They mm -hmm. go out and they take who they want when they want, and they say, F it, and they make it all work. Yeah. And he provides them defensive versatility, switchability. He's a plus athlete. You can get up and run in the half court. And he can help kind of anchor that next part of the Warriors franchise where they're starting to build up a new young core in addition to their aging stars. 
Yeah, that, that's probably the most intriguing spot in the draft for me just because I, I think that Obi Toppin would be incredibly electric over there, but has doubts about his defensive side. Limitations think, for sure. Yeah. Um, age. Um, I think that Wiseman in theory is the best fit because if you add a seven, somebody who's seven foot one agile. And I would actually like a Kongu more for them just because of how much they like to run. Actually. Yeah. Let's go back to that really quick. Just because I I'm a big fan of big oats as well. I saw him playing the drew league against pros and you would never think that that kid was a freshman in college. He might have the quickest instincts and first jump in the whole draft. Just he's explosive off the ground. There's a defensive lineman element to his game. Yeah, you look at him and when he starts to move, you realize that somebody his size shouldn't be able to move the way he does. And my pro comp for him is Bam Adebayo. I was just about to say that. It actually gave me a lot of Bam Adebayo vibes. Bam Adebayo vibes. He was dominant at USC. Out of nowhere, it seemed like. Yeah. And actually, the game I saw him playing, it was uh, it was, was Melo's debut game at the Drew. They're on the same team. Oh, and, really? Yeah. And, and, yeah, it was potent. It was, it was potent. <laughs> but he was much more dominant even than Melo was in that game. So, well, I think and, that's... And- him, him know, slipping into the top three would be a smart and he's playing, gamble for somebody. Playing with those old Chino Hill teams, the Ball Brothers, he's been in the backseat. Mm-hmm. He knows what it's like to be the guy not in the spotlight. He yep. goes to USC. He's a star player. He knows what it's like to be in this. You know that you're getting somebody that's experienced different aspects of team life and by all accounts is a good teammate and somebody you want to have around the locker. Agreed, man. Uh, it's been a pleasure, man. Definitely. Uh, I feel like we'll get back uh, to it soon. this is a comfortable time for us to break. We got into a lot. We don't want to leave you guys with too much. But this is only the beginning. Um, and by all means, keep on trapping. It, even if the game's out of reach. Is, is, is it really out of reach until you, until you apply to half-court trap? Never, never stop trapping. You heard him, man. His words, not mine. But thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you all. Appreciate it. Hear from us very soon. Be well.